Hello, cyberpunks. I'm your host, Brendan Lupus Damon Sandifer, and welcome to our cyberpunk podcast where we discuss various cyberpunk media. With me today, we have Barry. Hello. Graham. Who's muted? Randy. Hello. And Sammy. Hello. We may have more joining us later down the line. We don't know. Uh, today we are discussing Snow Crash, a 480-page novel by Neil Stevenson, published by Bantam Books in June of 1992. This book is older than me. <clears throat> but not as old as Barry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually so... didn't read it until after 2000. But I, so, uh... I, I found references about the book, actually, if... I could mention some things before we go into the actual book content, because that is the way I experienced it. So, um, many years ago, um, I believe, uh, 96, 97, um, somewhere in the mid to late nineties, I was using a, um, graphic chat program called active worlds. And there was one, uh, server they had on there called Metatropolis. And Ground Zero in Metatropolis, Ground Zero is just uh, the generic term for zero, 00 on the XY coordinates. So just where you first spawn in. Um, it had this uh, little pyramid and it had this thing inside and there was this refrigerator and there was a little guy flattened under the refrigerator. And then there was... Um, a couple other things, and I saw these things, and I'm like, what the heck are these things? And who is this guy over here with... It looks like his name is David, but there's a 5 in the middle instead of the V. Oh, I get Arabic 5 instead of Roman numeral 5. Interesting. I have no idea what this stuff is. And then, several years later, I saw this book called Snow Crash, on the shelf in a bookstore. I look at it like, huh, wonder what it's about. I flip it over, I read the back, which off the top of my head, I don't know. I don't physically know where my copy is, so I can't do that. But I do physically have it somewhere. And I read the back, and I'm like, wait, wait. This is the book! This is where they got that from! I have to buy this! I must read this! And that's how I found out about the book. Because I experienced these referential things in this 3D graphic chat. And um, it has gone by the wayside. It's been discontinued by many, many years ago. I forget exactly when. I want to say at least 15 years ago. Um, But that is how I found out about it. So without further ado... Snow Crash. Right. So, as always, if you can find a copy at your local library, or if you don't have a local library and you want to go buy a copy and find one at your bookstore or whatever, please do so. We love to have you guys support those creators, those authors, etc., rather than just look something up online. Now, if you can't afford to, go ahead and look it up online. We couldn't find any PDFs, so we can't share anything. Um, but anyway, on to I this managed p- to find an EPUB of it, so... Oh, mm. well, Randy found something. 
Um, welcome. Hello. So, uh, plot summary, as always, spoilers alert. If uh, you don't like spoilers, skip to the end. Yes. If you do, if you don't mind spoilers, keep listening. Uh, so, hero protagonist—that that is the name. Hero protagonist is a hacker and pizza delivery delivery driver for the mafia. Mm-hmm. He meets YT, short for Yours Truly. A young skateboard courier who refers to herself in the third person. Uh, he meets her during a failed attempt to make a delivery on time. YT completes the, the delivery on his behalf and they strike up a partnership. Gathering intel and selling it to the CIC. The for-profit organization evolved from uh, the CIA's merger with the Library of Congress. Within the metaverse, which I will explain later, uh, Hero is offered a data file named Snowcraft by a man named Raven, who hints that it is a form of narcotic. Hero's friend and fellow hacker, hacker spelled David, D-A-5-I-D, uh, views a bitmap image contained in the file, which causes his computer to crash and David to suffer brain damage in the real world. Hero meets his ex-girlfriend, Juanita Marquez, who gives him a database containing a large amount of research compiled by her associate, Lagos. Um, This research posits connections, but it says posits. Um, Anyway, it forms connections between the virus, ancient Sumerian culture, and the legend of the Tower of Babel. Or Babel. I never know how to pronounce that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Juanita advises him to be careful and disappears. Um, the mafia boss, Uncle Enzo, begins to take a paternal interest in YT. Impressed by her attitude and initiative, he arranges to meet her and offers her freelance jobs. Hero's investigations and YT's intelligence gathering begin to coincide, with links between the neuro-linguistic viruses, a religious organization known as Reverend Wayne's Pearly Gates, and a media magnet named L. Bob Reif, beginning to emerge, uh... Legos' connections show that the ancient Sumerian Ur language allowed the uh, allowed brain function to be programmed using audio stimuli in conjunction with a DNA altering virus. Sumerian culture was organized around these programs, known as me, which were administered by priests to the populace. Enki, a figure of legend, developed a countervirus known as the Namshub of Enki, which, when delivered, stopped the Sumerian language from being processed by the brain and led to the development of other, less literal languages, giving birth to the Babel myth. Uh, 
L. Bob Reif had been collecting Sumerian artifacts and developed the drug Snow Crash in order to make the public vulnerable to new forms of me, which he would control. This physical form of the virus is distributed in the form of an addictive drug and within Reverend, Reverend Wayne's church via infected blood. There's also a digital version to which hackers are especially vulnerable, as they are accustomed to processing information in binary form. Hero heads north to where the raft, a huge collection of boats containing Eurasian refugees, is approaching the American coast. The center of the raft is... Bob Reif's yacht, formerly the USS Enterprise nuclear-powered aircraft carrier. Uh, Reif has been using the raft as a mechanism to indoctrinate and infect thousands with the virus and to import it to America. YT is captured and brought to Reif on the raft, who intends to use her as a hostage, knowing her connection to Uncle Enzo. With help from the Mafia, Hero makes it onto the raft and recovers the Namshub of Inki, which Rife had been concealing. With help from Juanita, who had previously infiltrated the raft, the Namshub is read, uh, read out and Rife's control over the raft is broken. Rife flees the raft, taking YT, and Raven attempts to activate the digital form of Snow Crash at a vi virtual concert within the Metaverse. Hero is able to neutralize the virus and YT escapes. After a conf confrontation with the Mafia, um, Raven is injured and Rife is killed as he attempts to flee on his private jet. YT is reunited with her mother and Hero and Juanita appear reconciled. So, um, there are some terms in this book that, such as metaverse, that we should probably go over before we get into any real explanation of what it added everything else. So uh, there is the term rat things, which are cybernetic personal defensive guards engineered from uh, pit bull ter terriers, surgically augmented with cybernetic components. You got uh, smart wheels, a fictional type of wheel used on skateboards and, in and advanced motorcycles. You got Reason, a railgun and a rotary cannon configuration, which fires depleted uranium flechettes that uh, mounted to a large wheeled ammunition box and is equipped with a harness for user comfort, a nuclear battery pack, and a water-cooled heat exchanger. And then you got the Metaverse, which is a collective virtual shared space created by the convergence of virtually enhanced physical reality, and physically persistent virtual space, including the sum of all virtual worlds, augmented reality, and the internet. Um, so, with that being said, we can now move on to our normal discussion of is it cyberpunk? We're going to start uh, at the top of the list going down. We got the Grim first. Yes. Um, no, I've never read the book, but it does sound to me like it's cyberpunk. Uh, pretty much, you got the themes of it in there. 
uh, guys trying to take out corporation even though he's working for uh, or maybe working for a corporation slash government Uh, you can continue on with that's all, all right. I had to say. Barry, is it cyberpunk? Yes, it is very cyberpunk. And I believe either you left out or I missed when you said it, but instead of countries or states, each region is a is a corporation in this. Yeah, uh, I, I left that out. Yeah. I didn't include anything about the world itself. I just did the plot summary. And the... And the reason I mention that is since cyberpunk is about um, you, you combine sci-fi with uh, railing against corporations, even if it's against the government in this setting where the government and the corporation is the same thing, that really means either it blurs the lines or it merges things together or both or something like that. So because of that... I say it is extra cyberpunk because you have to swear allegiance to a corporation just by uh, dint of where you are born. All right. Um, I'm going to say yes, definitely cyberpunk. You got all the elements you need to possibly even, you know, make it into that category, so... Definitely, yes. Who's next? Randy. Well, it definitely checks all the boxes. So, yes, it's cyberpunk. But I don't think that was the author's intention. I agree. Um, I just think it happened to coincide with what qualifies as cyberpunk. All in all, it's actually written rather tongue-in-cheek on its world-building. I mean, your main character is called Hero Protagonist. <laughs> uh, all of the corporations have names like Uncle Enzo's yada yada mm -hmm. or something. They all sound like family businesses. Mm -hmm. So um, he, it's definitely hitting levels of parody as well as being cyberpunk. All right. And, um, Sammy, do you, do you want to give your two cents on whether or not it's cyberpunk? All right. Sammy says yes. <laughs> Sammy says yes, it's cyberpunk. All right. Um, Sammy's a little busy right now. Um, so, what, first of all, before we get into what it adds to the genre, um, is it just me, or does this Pearly Gates thing sound like Heaven's Gate? A little bit. Because that's all my brain's thinking of, is, oh yeah, this is Heaven's Gate. Now, I don't Except remember Heaven's when Gate Heaven's Gate was. kind was. of a thing after that was released, after it was published. See. Yeah, so Heaven's was, Gate was kind of a millennium cult. Yeah. You said it was published in 92? Yeah, Heaven's Gate was, no, 97. 
Oh, 97. I thought it was 98. Still, it's, nope. five, years, it's five years after. So, either they knew Heaven's Gate on, uh, you know, on some level more than the average person, or it just happened to coincide again. Um, okay, so let me see here. Uh, so what's it bring to the table, guys? What do you, what do you think it adds? We're going to start with Barry, since he knows probably the most about this. Um, Barry, what's it add to the genre, if it's, anything? It's a bit fuzzy because I it's been many years since I read it, and I uh, actually didn't read the last like 50 pages or something like that. But I think it added the concept of um, of of the uh, virtual space being um, a major thing for the people that uh, exist in the um, in the story because um, I don't think that was really a major thing for uh, a lot of things written before that. Maybe it was for uh, something or another, but considering it was it was published in '92, um, I think um, the number of things it had a uh, virtual space that was um, shared by everybody in there was limited to uh, more more niche audiences. Uh, also, the uh, whole corporation uh, nationality merger in there is something that I don't recall having read in any other book or seen in any other movie or TV series. Um, or, or, or if it wasn't anything, it was something after that was published because that's something I haven't seen anywhere else. Um... Well, I can tell you on your first part, Barry, you're wrong, because the idea of a publicly shared virtual space mm -hmm. uh, was in the works of Gibson from the 80s. Okay. I didn't read much of that. You're on a cyberpunk podcast. Gibson's one of the forefathers of cyberpunk, and you didn't if read it. not much. the forefather. Yes, I did. I said <laughs> one of the. I didn't yeah, read, I said, I know. I I, said, I didn't read not. his stories that much. I happen to like the content, but I didn't read the original stories. Excuse the heck out of me. Excuse the heck out of <laughs> Um. So, Randy, uh, what do you think it added, if anything? Oh, it's hard to tell. It utilizes a lot, a lot. of <laughs> cyberpunk pieces that you see elsewhere, but does it contribute anything new? Um, because it almost likes to see, it almost like it takes cyberpunk terms and parodies them, takes them to an extreme and dials them up to 11 more than it creates new ones. Um, if anything, uh, no, I think even the possibility of the cybered, uh, animal or cybered pet. Uh, was one that came up before. They're just taking it in a very weird way in this. So mm -hmm. I don't think it, I don't know what it contributed, but it it definitely seemed to spoof a bit of uh, of cyberpunk's uh, uh, trademark stuff. 
Now that I think about it, you mentioned uh, Cybered Animal. Wasn't there something from um, one of the Blade Runner books about that Cybered Frog? Eh, wasn't really Cybered so much as it was artificial. Either way. But I, I think some of the Gibson stuff had uh, um, animals that were cyborgs. Mm. So I could be wrong there. Some of that stuff I haven't read since the 90s. So. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to go ahead and say um, I... I don't uh, think it really added much to Cyberpunk. Then again, this is a coming from a person that hasn't read it, so I couldn't tell you honestly if if it does or not. Um, but just from what I've read on it, it doesn't seem like it really added much. I do like the idea of the metaverse, but I feel like he just kind of developed it a little more, not really made it. Uh, I also, this isn't related to Cyberpunk, but I do like the fact that he uh, included a Star Trek reference. Star Trek reference? Mm, USS one? Enterprise? That's not a Star Trek reference. Is it not? I thought it was. No, USS Enterprise, CVN-65, the Navy's first nuclear-powered aircraft carrier. Uh, yeah. It was retired in 2012. Mm. Mm. Um, well, then never mind. My dad served on it. Ah. Yes, it was. When was that ship first launched? It is also 50... the name of a Star Trek thing. Five or 57, <laughs> Barry. So a long time ago. Uh, 58. Yeah. Construction okay, was 50. I was close. Uh, it was launched in 60. I'm an At least, uh, even if I made it in later in the, in the podcast. Hello. Matt, we have just finished the plot summary and we're on the whole what's it add and everything else. Oh, well, that's perfect timing, I guess. All right. But the reason that that was included in this is the Enterprise was considered uh, the uh, the granddaddy of the U.S. Navy. It's its pride. It was the Big E. Mm -hmm. um, oh, right. That's the one that uh, was the center of that uh, mobile uh, bunch of ships, wasn't it? I, I mean, that, that. Uh, the movie Top Gun, all of the aircraft carrier stuff was on the Enterprise. I didn't yes, know that. Uh, well, technically it was on the Ranger, mm. which was standing in for the Enterprise. But all right. there was a whole bunch of security reasons why you never actually filmed on the Enterprise. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the designers of the Enterprise were a little um, overzealous when they made the nuclear conversion. Oh. And that ship had six nuclear reactors, uh, which led to a lot of areas that people that civilians could not go. Uh oh. So they would prefer to film on the Ranger, which was about the same length and width, but was uh, diesel, mm. and thus not a lot of high security areas. Also, the Enterprise tended to be frequently deployed um, that, elsewhere in the world. 
that class of aircraft carrier is basically a floating city already, <laughs> even before what happens in the book. Yeah, yeah mo uh, most of the supercarriers are. Um, yeah. So that's what I mean, the, that class, the supercarrier class. Well, it, the, the supercarrier is not a class, it's a type. Um, the uh, the oh, Enterprise... Right, You're right, I realized... I, I was thinking, well, no, because I thought frigate was a class, battleship was a class, supercarrier was a class. Am I wrong? I thought that no, was it's a, it that's was. a type. Uh, the class would be like Kitty Hawk class, or uh, Nimitz class was the current generation before the uh, before the new ones that just started coming out for aircraft right, carrier. Right. Sorry about that. That's my bad. The Enterprise actually was an Enterprise class. It was a class ship, and it was the only one ever designed. And it's still an amazing thing. Mm -hmm. I can tell you this. When they retired the Enterprise in 2012, they hadn't immediately announced they were putting another Enterprise on the conditioning board. Uh, there would have been a riot in the Navy. <laughs> Absolutely. Because that, that, that would be a major hit to their um, ability to deploy in several oceans. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because there are so many different aircraft specifically that are designed to fit on the Enterprise. They can't fit on a regular carrier. Oh, no, 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 no. They're designing a completely new aircraft carrier. Mm. No, I understand. Just... What I'm getting at is they need something that size. That yeah, size. That's, that's not why. There's just superstition around the name. <laughs> oh, the well, I agree on that. The Enterprise like, was the only the aircraft why... carrier that made it completely through World War II. There's a reason why it was chosen for Star Trek as well, yes. Mm -hmm. um, because Gene Roddenberry, well, which branch did he serve in? He served World in the War Navy, II? and he originally wanted the, exactly. the Yorktown, actually, which was the ship yes. he served on. Which is but, why the Yorktown name comes up in Star Trek as well. Yes. Yep. Um, but yes, they changed it to Enterprise because of the fact that that was the only the only aircraft carrier that made it through the war. And is considered to be kind of a, a sacred cow name for the Navy. So, things you didn't know <laughs> about okay. a completely got, different thing. I got some trivia about this as well, so I understand. Mm. So, um,. Let's see. Uh, I'll wait till it's my turn, though, because we're, we're talking about if, is it cyberpunk or not. So. Right. Actually, no, we're at the elements of cyberpunk. Off. Oh, what okay. All right. yeah. what, does add, what does it add to the genre? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Well, let me know when it's my turn. I'll wait. You can go ahead. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, oh, my gosh. It adds a lot to the genre. Um, I... There are so many things that have come out of that have inspired directly by Snow Crash. I think the the person that I can think of that was the most inspired by it that made cyberpunk kind of future military stuff would be uh, well, the creator of Metal Gear Solid for obvious reasons. Um, especially Metal Gear Solid Five has a massive amount towed to. Snow Crash. Mm -hmm. um, clearly, he read it. 
and understood kind of what it was saying. Because, man, uh, he combined that with the Cypriot War to make a very wonderful game about language as a virus and kind of programming people and causing them harm and what that can do if it spreads. That's just, I like that. Uh, um, as as a concept, having this um, the, the what was it called the gargoyles, mm. the ones with the cameras. Yeah, I think. Okay, the I, I think it's the gargoyles. It, you run into one during the first attack in the book because mm. um, they're they're observing, and then the explosion, the rest of that. Well, I should say second because they're delivering pizza first um, um, which I, I I guess I'll talk about it in this section because I don't think we have a really good section for it um, there's a pizza place that's in my neck of the woods called Campisi's Pizza mm. and Campisi's Pizza is I, I love to jokingly say this but it's fairly accurate if you look up anything on Campisi's Pizza pizza made by made men <laughs> um, you know, it's oh my God. It, it's it's a mafia pizza place <laughs> that uh, delivered pizza. So when I was first reading Snow Crash, of course, uh, Campisi's has been going. It's exists in Dallas since like the the sixties. Mm. I think the first one opened in the fifties. They're, they're all over the place. Uh, right. They'll do delivery. They do have a very uh, strict that their delayed delivery fee that the manager of the place will call. Uh, used to be the owner of the place, but he passed away back in 92. Oh. So I was like, okay, clearly, when his time, what he spent in Dallas, or in Texas, I should say, he obviously knew what Campisi's Pizza was, because the one that they described, the first one, <laughs> yeah, if they went the nth degree, and having the owner fly in that helicopter because your pizza was late, you know, that, <laughs> that's so absurd, but just awesome at the same time. I can't, I can't help but get a kick out of that. Because um, it, it reminded me so much of what Capisi's used to be like back in the 70s. Uh, not so much nowadays. Now they're just a good pizza place. Although they still have mafia connections. Hell, I mean, um, one of my coworkers uh, for my data entry job actually used to go there all the time with their granddad who used to work with Mr. Campisi. Because um, he was one of the bodyguards for Mr. Campisi, on, including with several attempts against his life including two by rival pizza companies. And that's no joke. Because they were also like mafia-owned pizza companies. No. Well, you know my favorite part about it? And you're going to get a kick out of this, too. Huh. Guess what is the next store over from their main store that's here in Dallas? Mm. The, the literal next door store. I don't know. Bathtubs. Bathtubs. Huh. They huh. And, on, and the other side, baskets. <laughs> they are literally, and those both those stores have been there since the 50s. Right. So they're next to a giant bathtub store and a casket store. It's like, nah, they have no, they have no mafia ties. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> no one's ever dreaded any of those bathtubs. Um, anyway, uh, when it comes to adding the cyberpunk, uh, I, that's the first time that I can recall, although it may have been in other Cyberpunk media, it's been a while since I've read um, a couple of the other books we've talked about before, The Cyber Dogs. Uh, it's the first time I'd ever seen something like that. 
that I can remember. Uh, you see it referenced in other things, but uh, when they describing their personality and when they are let off the leash to come and attack, that was great. Mm. Like that, I just absolutely love that whole thing. Um, kind of the information security um, <laughs> was well beyond what you even saw in the top levels of the federal government mm. uh, for for what uh, uh, the mom, mom was dealing with, and that, that definitely matched with. Um, that was something that I haven't seen before, and I've seen a lot since, especially in other cyberpunk stuff. When did the book actually come out is the question I was going to ask, because I've forgotten when it came out. 92. Okay, so it did come out 92. after Cybertron um, and after Neuromancer. Got it. All right. So this was before the big cyberpunk push of the mid-90s to late-90s, but it was around. Because hmm. they're... they're uh, Let's see. I was trying to remember when did uh, you guys talked about it? What last week or week before Bubblegum Crisis? When did it actually come out? The first one. Uh, eighties. Okay, because I remember that being early on, and it does have a lot of cyberpunk elements, and it predates the actual cyberpunk game, which is rare. I rarely see a a good anime that had stuff before them. Um, but of well, course, really for films. You know, really, it was, Mike Pondsmith, uh, it was really Mike Pondsmith watching Bubblegum Crisis that inspired him to write Cyberpunk. So mm. I know. That's why I said it came out before. I couldn't remember if it came out around the same time or before. Like, he was already writing it and then saw Bubblegum Crisis, or if he saw Bubblegum Crisis and then wrote it. I couldn't remember which way that was. Because, um, once again, I, I haven't met him. I've wanted to. Um, I just haven't had the opportunity yet. He's really That's, cool, dude. Mm -hmm. Oh, I know. I've seen interviews with him. Like everyone I've ever seen do interviews with him, uh, he's really good at that. He'll actually answer questions, unless he's literally contractually obliged not to answer. He will answer, <laughs> which is very rare that he's stuck with one of those. Um, like for twenty seventy seven, a, a few people asked questions. Obviously, couldn't talk about. But you know, outside of that, then you know, could talk. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. Uh, uh, I forget what was the uh, I what is Aleutian, I guess because he was a he was like Alaska native with the spear because he was hunting the hunting things he was like a other whale hunter shark hunter I forget is it whale hunter I forget hmm. the big guy ah uh, gosh dang it one of the main antagonists of the book I forget. why can I find the name? Shoot. Uh, I haven't uh, he, read anything about in the book for at least ten years now. I think so. Kind of fuzzy. Well, when, when you read it, he is the prototypical, you know, cyberpunk kind of bad guy. In that he's the kind of bad guy that, sure, there is technology and stuff around him, but he is just an absolute monster to fight against. Mm. Like I don't think he's I don't remember if he's actually cybernetically enhanced, but he doesn't need to be. He is just that powerful. Mm -hmm. So you, seeing a normal person or like a, an enhanced human, if you will, going against a lot of dangerous situations and somehow surviving all that—that's that's amazing. Like I think the character from uh, if anyone's ever seen Cowboy Bebop, uh, yes. Knocking on Heaven's Door, the mm -hmm. film, uh, the bad guy on that is a hundred percent inspired by the bad guy of this in Snow Crash. Ah. Because the way they describe him is exactly the same. 
He just kind of stands there. He lands on things and breaks them under his weight. <laughs> you shoot him, he'll just keep coming. Like, he, uh, yeah, I think he. I don't remember if the guy in the knocking down sword drove a bike, but I know this guy did. Uh, he even used it as a bomb at one point in the book. Uh, he committed like six terrorist attacks in the book that I can remember, um, trying to destabilize things and spread the virus. Oh yeah. Because um, um, the. The investigation also uh, clearly inspired uh, Ghost in the Shell standalone complex and Ghost in the Shell, the first film, uh, because the investigation they're directly going through in Snow Crash to deal with the virus reminds me a lot of the Laughing Man incident, mm. where there's obvious data manipulation going on, um, people doing horrible acts in public that somehow there's no reporting on, or there's like shadowy groups involved that you're not quite sure who's a member of or how to stop them. That's very much snow crash. Heck, they even denied that there's even something going wrong. <laughs> Everything's fine. Send section eight to deal with it. Hmm. Or section six or what have you. Oh, section nine. Section nine. Yeah. I remember. Oh, it's been a while since I watched Standalone Complex. I've got to rewatch it. I have it in st- uh, second gig at the house on DVD. Hmm. Um, I know it's on Crunchyroll as well. I, so sue me, I like having it on physical media. Um, okay, let's see. Uh, the idea of having a floating city that somehow uh, is still able to be connected online and uh, you know, controlling that mass amount of people to kind of be rejects from society and forming their own kind of society, that's kind of nuts. But I don't, I don't know what other cyberpunk ones have gone with that. I, I know there's a lot of comic books that have kind of done that, where it's like the outcasts forming around some cult figure or things like that, because that's basically what that was. Um, being manipulated and driven to go there. Um, I, 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 I think that I, I pretty much describes the Brotherhood that. of Evil Mutants from X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to say Genosha. That's what I was going to say. That's why I said comic books, right? I said I've seen it in comic books. That's what I was referencing. That and also uh, Cables Island. Uh, was it New Providence? No, not New Providence. What, whatever it is, the, the island that uh, Cable. Phone call? Hmm. I'm getting a phone call. Let's see. Oh. I'm still here. Okay. See if, see if it reconnects to the Bluetooth. Hmm. Okay. There we go. It should be back on Bluetooth now. Okay. Uh, okay. Sorry about that. Just got a random phone call in the middle of all that. <laughs> um, anyway, sorry. I was going to say uh, that. Or if you want to... They didn't militarize enough, but that's why I was saying uh, uh, they were... They technically were a weapons group of fanatics that rejects from society, committing terrorist attacks across the world. You know, that's why I mentioned uh, Metal Gear Solid Five for a reason. Foxhound was, and specifically Diamond Dogs, very much like this. Mm. Complete with helicopters coming in and out, careful control over travel, and other organizations trying to subvert them, but also being a threat to the whole world. <laughs> That's very fitting with that. Although I, it, I wouldn't put the uh, the badass uh, villain guy uh, 
that I still can't remember the name of, unfortunately. He, he doesn't have a school name as Snape, or else I would remember it. You know. Um, plus, he doesn't talk very much either. That's, that's another thing that makes him very intimidating. Uh, not quite silence level, not speaking, but close to it. So, anyway, I think that's the biggest of the cyberpunk elements I can think of. Because a lot of the rest, uh, souped up cars, I guess. Uh, oh, oh, the jet, um, the, what's that? I think they were on jets, but the, uh, the skates, uh, the skates, there was like rocket skates or something. I think that was one of the things. Uh, didn't he run into someone that used rockets? Yeah. That sounds familiar, yeah. Because, uh, oh yeah, yeah, it had to do with his pizza delivery. Because he was about to hit someone, and someone else was helping him out, and they had rocket skates. Hmm. Um, gosh, it, it, it's taken me back trying to think of all this. Uh, oh, oh, right, right. Uh, there is a lot of augmented reality stuff to... There's also the idea of bringing some amount of martial skill that you have outside in real life into a virtual setting. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, he uh, he goes in with his avatar there and he's practicing uh, with his katana, and he's part of like a hacker group um, that's all meeting to discuss things. Um, and uh, I think he does information retrieval as well, but there's like this... I remember there's like this road that goes along, and then there's all these buildings on either side of the road. Like they visualize it in a 3D setting, um, almost like you would see in a lot of uh, MMORPGs or Minecraft nowadays, I guess, uh, where you get like all these structures that have been built up by different people with different avatars. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't think that some of those things are 100% revolutionary. They're things we've seen before, but. It's rare I've seen a book in the early 90s and late 80s that covered them so thoroughly, I guess. But at the same time, it's just in there, right? They treat it like it's completely normal, so they don't go into much detail. It's like, okay, let's go on to here, access this thing, and do this. Well, unless you know the terminology, you're like, what the hell just happened? You know? Rearing Snow Crash is no problem if you're familiar with Cyberpunk, but if you're not, you might just go, I don't know what the hell they just said. They just talked about code for a couple minutes, and unless you know C++, Fortran, or BASIC, you're going to be like, I don't know what the hell they were just talking about. Um, Anyway, I think that's it. I can't think of anything else off the top of my... Oh, right, right. There's a huge rock concert where a a huge riot and terrorist attack occurs. It's very anti-corporation. Uh, so I guess that's another cyberpunk thing. Because that is that's very fitting. That's a cyberpunk thing, but, point. but that, had, that had been seen before. Hmm. Oh, I know. Uh, I, I, I guess I should say it kicks, it kicks it down the curve, as opposed to being a, a brand new thing. I mean, if you want to get down to it, uh, Night, Nightwatch also did that. Uh, that's the... Uh, 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 Oh my gosh, uh, Sergei Lukyanenko books. Oof, took me a second to say the name there. It's Russian name. Oh, yeah. Sergei Lukyanenko, uh, Night, uh, Night Watch, Day Watch, Twilight Watch, and then Final Watch. And I think there was one more after that, but uh, those are the books I'd read. Um, where they have that same kind of thing. They have 
some cyberpunk elements, but very rarely. Like that, that show is not cyberpunk. You know, those books are more modern, dark, horror, supernatural stuff, mm-hmm. horror being a major focus. Uh, with a fantastic element that comes in later on. That's not relevant. Anyway, all right, well, that's all I can think of about Snow Crash in terms of cyberpunk stuff it adds. Another storage locker living. <laughs> yeah. That would later come back in red. This is true. I forgot it very well would. So, all in all, yes, it's cyberpunk, and it actually does add some things. Uh, but it's about that time we should start thinking of wrapping up. Alright. So, uh, Barry, where can we find you? If you want more of my, uh, online content, you can find me at K-H-Z-H-A-K on YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter. I don't make much content myself for YouTube and Twitch, but if you look at the related channels and who I'm hosting, I have plenty of content there. And my Twitch channel, I try to mostly retweet safe-for-work content, retweets and likes, but my pinned tweet is not safe-for-work. Who's next? Um, Randy, where can we find you? All right, you can usually find me weekdays at eleven a or eleven thirty a.m. Uh, streaming games with Barry and our friends Matt and Aaron. That's currently a little in flux at the moment as Matt's got a new job, but we'll figure it out soon. Mm-hmm. You can also find me Wednesday nights at ten ish p.m. for an unearthly podcast where we talk about all things Doctor Who. All right, and Mathodoc. You can find me either on here at the Thanks for Nothing podcast when I actually can make it, because my schedule's been in flux since I've been moving. Um, yeah. But as soon as I'm actually moved in, I should be available for more podcasts, uh, since I'm moving a lot of stuff on Sundays. Uh, otherwise, you can find me here um, and uh, on Discord um, under Mathadar, M-A-T-H-A-D-A-R. The number I'm not going to say on here. <laughs> I, may do, I may do that at some point. Uh, just to make it easier for people to contact me that want questions about Cyberpunk. Because I have lists and lists of them if anyone, anyone wants any references or recommendations for anything Cyberpunk. So, uh, as for this podcast, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch by searching Gen Cyberpunk Pod. And our YouTube channel is Generation Cyberpunk. Of course, if you're listening to this early enough, you're probably listening to it on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to hear more from our group, check out the Thanks for Nothing podcast on the FML Productions YouTube channel. We also do various D&D campaigns on that channel and are in the process of making an anime. If you want to donate, we do have a coffee link in the description of the Thanks for Nothing podcast. Donations are welcome, but by no means necessary. Next week, we will cover Bubblegum Crisis, Crash, and Tokyo 2040. So, uh, be That's prepared an for odd that. combination. Well, it's kind, it of bridging, <laughs> kind of bridging the gap from the last Bubblegum Crisis to cover. To yeah, point. I know. It's a completely different continuity, though. <laughs> well, still. Um, so it's like Gundam Wing to Gundam, where it's a completely different continuity. Yep. All but right. until then, we will see you later, Cyberpunks.